0: On this episode of Why Watch That.
1: Hello. hello. Well, hello. Hola. Bonjour. <laughs> Buongiorno. giorno. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> oh, salut. Wait, you didn't give us any, what, Mandarin? No? Oh, ni hao. <laughs> okay, now. there we go. Nisi You don't
0: have <laughs> to go through it. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. Shit, yeah, this is Exodus Leviticus. There it is.
1: There it is. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I mean, he was Boo Radley. Next. Yes. So. That's it, Wolfgang Puck is on there. Let me get my $6.
0: Who cares about The Mandalorian or any of the Marvel movies? (laughs) We want Wolfgang. Star Wars, Schmar Wars.
1: We talked about Prince, but did we talk about Eddie Murphy? Uh Remember that album he released? Yes. Ref? My uh-huh.
0: girl, minds to party all the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic
0: and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and
1: TV shows Hollywood has to offer? Expect the unexpected from the critic,
0: while well, nothing gets past the ref.
1: We do all the work,
0: so you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch That. that.
1: It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com.
0: A why watch that sneak peek? You know, Critic. What? I carry you with me. Oh. No, that's the name of the movie we're going to be reviewing. <laughs> don't Te... get ahead of yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Te llevo conmigo.
0: Hey, me... no, don't Uh, See, si. now here's the deal <laughs> this is a sneak peek. We got a chance to check it out, we being the critic. And this is going to come to us in the theaters. Question is, are you really going to go out? Mm. And, you know, I don't know, but let let us tell you about it. And you can make a decision for yourself. Heidi Ewing wrote it and she directed it along with Alan Page. And it is, I have a feeling, a movie that we're going to have to be looking at the bottom of our screen and keeping up, mm. you know, uh, yes. meaning subtitles. So why are we reviewing this? Tell us about it. And are we going out now? I don't know.
1: Mm. Well, we're reviewing it because um, I got to see this at AFI Fest last year. No, So now it's time to do the full-on review. And, you know, we'll, we'll get down to the business of this rather quickly, everybody. So here's what's happening in this movie. It's really two distinct time periods. They're separated by many years, and you'll see what that means when you watch this. So there are two main characters, Ivan and Gerardo. And these two are living in uh, Mexico. And Ivan, he has a young child. Um, He has an ex who he has the child with. Why is that the case? Why aren't they together? He's a wonderful father. But he comes to meet Gerardo. And Gerardo catches his eye. Yes, they fall in love. Now, this is a problem. This is in the 90s, okay, in Mexico, Uh uh-uh. Now, Gerardo is more out open friends with you know all kinds of people free on the streets is that safe no so the question is wait can ivan be safe with gerardo because if people find out about ivan about this truth will he be able to still see his son it's a very real question Mm. And of course, both of them, Ivan and Gerardo, they have their own families looking at them going, okay, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have a girlfriend? Blah, 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 blah. Now, what happens is they have an opportunity to leave Mexico and come to the states because if they come to the states, it's more open when it comes to being gay and all of that kind of stuff. However, they will be undocumented workers in the states. So they have to they would have to trade one problem for another. Yeah. So what do you do? You know, do you stay with your family and stay hidden? Or do you go to this strange place where maybe you'll be able to have more opportunities, but you still have a struggle and it's all unknown. I mean, some Mm. people don't make it when they cross the border. Some people cross the border and want to come back. And you'll see how that plays out if you watch this film. So here's my review. What I wanted from it was greater dynamics. I was interested Only in the parts of the movie that were focused on the young adult versions of Yvonne and Gerardo. You do get the older versions later on and they are in New York City. You'll see what that is and you'll see who plays them. Okay, I think I might not give that away. Who plays them? Because watching, I was like, wait a minute. Is that who I think it is? So you'll see what that is. Now, it is watchable. It's not bad at all. It just needed stronger construction. Because when you have this kind of film, ref, you, we've all seen this, when the film floats from one moment to another, you know, we're floating around, you know, they say in their description, tree of life and moonlight. Oh, okay. All right. If you have that kind of movie, well, then every moment has to build emotionally, It has to build. In this case, that doesn't happen fully because there are too many moments that are naturalistic yet flat. It's naturalistic at the expense of poetry, which is what Tree of Life and Moonlight does. Now, this is directed by a documentarian, Heidi Ewing. So that might explain some of that. So this is uh, Heidi's first time doing this kind of fictional presentation. But is there any documentary parts to it? That is a question. So when you get to these later parts with Yvonne and Gerardo, it's, it's not as relevatory as they might want. Uh, now, I will say that there, again, are moments that work. Overall, does it really snap into place? Does it soar? I can't say that. I do think it's a worthy story. I do think that it has a well-developed atmosphere. It just never quite takes off because it's not punctuated with the beats that we need to land the lyricism itself. So you, if you're seeing Tree of Life, you're seeing Moonlight. I didn't really think of either of those when I was watching this, I get where they're going. So I will caution you on that. But if you are somebody, again, we always say this ref with this indie kind of spirit, if you don't mind reading subtitles, if you don't know Spanish, then you can check this out if the story seems interesting to you. You will find parts again that you'll like. I don't know that the whole thing will be something that you go, oh yeah, they really successfully landed it. There you go.
0: I Carry You With Me is available in theaters. You have to sift through if your um, city carries it. So there you have that. But I still carry you with me, critic. (laughs) The Why Watch That Talk. All right. (laughs) Listen, listeners, we, as promised, are going to give you the best of Tribeca, According to why I watch that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at home.
0: <laughs> at home. Now, listen, here's the thing. I, I ain't judging. You ain't judging. Mm-hmm. You know, Tribeca every year is in New York. You're based in New York, but you really found this festival to be completely accessible at home to your liking. So, just like Sundance this year, as well as South by Southwest and maybe some others this year, it looks like this may become some form of pattern for -hmm. these big major festivals offering the digital. (laughs) Yes. The digital experience of the festival. Now, unlike Sundance, Tribeca is more of a grittier, boots on the ground Mm. kind of festival when it comes to its selection. Again, this was started by, famously started by Robert De Niro and his business partner. And we know Robert De Niro's taste that way. It's no different this year. Really, when it comes to festivals, we are scraping a little bit, can we be Mm. honest, because of COVID and um, some of the restrictions last year um, as far as shooting. So, the question then becomes this. This ain't Sundance. It's not South by Southwest. Certainly isn't the New York Film Festival or TIFF or can Calm. <laughs> what is Tribeca Film Festival to the critic? And did it deliver this year? Ooh. Mm. Did it bring the underground edge is what I want to call it. That underground yeah. edge you don't you really don't know what this movie's going to do if it's or the doc it can either go great or it could plummet but it has done both it's delivered both what is Tribeca to you and did we get that this year and then we'll dive in real quickly um to some of the things that you enjoyed and some of the things you're kind of like oh, I don't know hmm.
1: yeah that's actually that's of course a great question you know it, it's like it's a New York film festival I would say for New Yorkers, meaning this. If you're a New Yorker, you're used to walking around and just finding a place, walking in and seeing what it's like. Now it might be, a hit gym. It might be something where you go, okay, let's get out of here quickly. So (laughs) like that's kind of Tribeca. It's giving you those kinds of selections where you 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 go in, you introduce yourself, you kind of hang out with the movie and you see whether you like it or not. And then you get out. And especially at home now, you can get out rather easily. Okay, I'll tell you that. So the things I'm going to talk about, ref are the films I finished. Okay. So any of the films I didn't finish, we won't talk about. Um, Of course, here at this festival, they had In the Heights before it was on HBO Max, which we reviewed. Uh, The closing night was No Sudden Move from Soderbergh, which will be on HBO Max at the beginning of July. So we'll come back to that later, but they were not available at home. So not everything that Tribeca had in person, was available at home. But guess what? I'm at home.
0: (laughs) 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 And that makes it different than, say, Sundance and South by Southwest. And perhaps that was because we were earlier on in the vaccination process, I'm assuming. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's get
0: hopping. And when I say, did Tribeca deliver some things, we're going to go through, like you said, the things that, finished and possibly um, when those things are going to be released, but we're not limiting it to features that are narratives. We are going to dip into the doc world, documentary worlds. There were a few of those that you want to talk about. So let's first start and go through the narrative features, the non-docs. And the first we'll start with is No Man of God. Uh Uh-oh. No man of God? Okay. Mm. What is this about? This comes to us from Amber Seeley, the director. Screenplay is by Kit Lesser. But the cast, we see a very familiar uh, Lord of the Rings face. You know, we probably should leave him alone about Lord of the Rings. I mean, he has certainly moved on from there but Elijah Wood is bringing his talent along with Luke Kirby who when i think of Luke Kirby you know yes okay i'm not going to i'm not going to get into it but luke kirby um second season of uh, no all seasons excuse me of marvelous mrs mabel and all seasons of
1: yes rectify
0: yes i can't i just I loved him then. I'll probably love him now. He is playing Ted Bundy, though. Um, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if I'll love him like that, along with um, Aleska um, Palladino and Robert Patrick, just to name a few. Now, this is a thriller, a drama, and it is in the world of Ted Bundy. Okay, what is up with this? Do we need, didn't we just have a Ted Bundy? Uh, doc series, and by the same person, a movie starring uh, Zach Efron. I mean, Mm. do we need another one? And, you know, is this something we need to run to the theaters to see on August 27th? Or should we watch it digitally? Or should we skip it altogether?
1: Well, I'll just tell you now, probably digital, if you're going to watch it. Um, All right. uh, So it's set in the mid to late 80s. Uh, this is the dawn of FBI profiling. This is the big thing. Always dealing with all the FBI profiling, how did they start it and so on, At different iterations of that. We have Agent he- uh, Hegmeyer, and all of this is based on true stuff. He's the new guy, comes in, and he accepts Bundy as his assignment. So every agent gets an assignment, and, you know, they want to learn about the criminal mind. But everybody knows that Bundy does not talk to FBI agents. They're all looking at him like, oh, what? Everybody knows. And even if Bundy did, he would toy with them. You can't outsmart Ted Bundy. He has a psychology degree, but so does Heckmeyer. Okay. Now, also keep in mind, Bundy almost achieved a law degree. So the question is, can- Well, hello. Hola. Bonjour. (laughs) Buongiorno. Ciao. Ciao. (laughs) Salut. Now. You didn't give us any, what, Mandarin? No? Oh, ni hao. Now. Now. So the question is, can Hagmeyer get Bundy to open up? Confess. Even. Okay. And what would Bundy want in return? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Mm. Maybe it's what you're thinking. Maybe it's not. I can't tell you, but I will (laughs) say this. If you want to think about what this movie is like, think the interview scenes from uh, Mindhunter on Netflix. So those. Uh, But the ones here start off in a more straightforward fashion, and they build a bit in complexity during the second half of the film, up to the climax. Um, Outside of those interviews, there are brief montages of footage from the time period. They serve to create an unsettling mood. And there are short scenes with Hagmeier at the FBI and some scenes involving other characters at the prison and so on. So it's all about after you lead up to this, what happens when he receives a date of execution, mm-hmm. right, who descends on the prison. Uh, so because of that, the core, uh, the heart of this is Elijah and Luke, yeah, of course. Um, so when it comes to those two, relying on them was a good idea because they know what they're doing. I mean, that's just what it is. And the dialogue is just good enough to support their efforts. I would say it could be a little shorter. So this isn't groundbreaking. It again is if you are really riveted by those kinds of hunter interview scenes, you've seen like things like that before in other shows and movies, then this wouldn't be something new but it would be something where you could watch it and go, okay, let me watch Elijah Wood and Luke Kirby. I mean, that's really what it is.
0: Do we need to see this in light of Netflix's um, own narrative mm-hmm. with Zach Efron? I mean, I know Zach, yeah. it took place more of when Bundy actually didn't take place. We didn't see any killings. We saw mainly his time with his um, then living girlfriend.
1: Right. It's different. So it's after all of that. So Bundy is already in custody. Right. It's from the perspective of the agent, not from Bundy. Okay. Yeah.
0: There it is. Okay, let's move on to another feature that you saw called India Sweets and Spices. Is this a cooking show? Wow. No. <laughs> well, something's cooking, love. Um, this is directed by Gita Malik. She also wrote it. Starring Sophia Ali, Manisha uh, Korala. Um, Adil Hussain, uh, Depti Gupta, Rish Shash, and Ved Sapur. This is a comedy. It's drama. It's a romance. What is this? And, you know, why is it called India? Sweets and spices.
1: Uh-oh. Well, the ref <laughs> is shaking at everything else. Wait a minute now. So, this is what's going on. We have um, Alia... She's going to college and she comes home for the summer. Of course, she doesn't want to be bothered. Okay, her mother's nagging her father's there, not really saying anything. But she comes home uh, after being a freshman at UCLA. And uh, as the title suggests, we are dealing with Indian American families. So it's a whole thing with their culture, where you go to school, what you're studying, you know, for all the parents, what their children are doing, who they're marrying and so on. So she comes back home and she goes to this store to shop for her mother because her mother's going to have a party. Like every Indian family has a party at some point during the summer, and everybody goes and so on. So this shop is India Sweets and Spices. Ah, now at the shop, see, yeah, yeah. Now at the shop is a new family. They own it. So they took over from the previous owners.
0: A new Indian family. A also. new Indian
1: family, of, mm-hmm. of course, and uh, helping out his parents. Is a young man, same ages. Oh, okay. So she walks in and sees him. He sees her. Time kind of stops for the two of them. But his mother is behind, you know, the counter going, "How can we help you?" And she's like, "Oh, uh, I need some <laughs> biscuit dough. I mean, let me just get some biscuits." And he's standing by the biscuits. So what's going to happen between the two of them? right? Well, she ends up inviting them to her family's party, the whole family that owns the shop. But are they welcome? Because owning this kind of store, is that lofty enough for Ah. doctors and lawyers and engineers and so on? How will they be received? And as you go through the movie, we're dealing with, of course, opposite sides of the tracks here. With this Uh, budding love is a rival. Okay. And as we move forward, as these families start to collide, secrets are revealed about everybody.
0: Secrets and lies.
1: (laughs) And some of the questions are, should you have an arranged marriage or not? Right? These are questions that pop up. What are the sacrifices that come with that? And in the end, who's with whom? What do we know about everybody? And so on. Now, you mentioned, Ref, those three different genres. Comedy, drama, romance. I would say this works better as a rom-com. It's not quite sturdy enough to support its dramatic moments. Like, I couldn't go there with it. It felt like I was watching TV. Um, They were pushing. Yeah, exactly. Almost Lifetime, but a little better. Almost in those dramatic moments. Yeah. But... Now, this isn't available yet, but if it is, what I would say is if it's the summertime or it smells like summer, you want summer feel, viewing it from home during the summer, like a lot of those rom-com moments, if you like that, you'll go, oh, okay, let me just go away with them and be fine with it. Is it fully polished? No, but I did like the tweak of the Indian uh, family storyline with this, and that's why I finished it.
0: Okay, well, that's, that's a good offering, I think, yeah. um, if you're interested. I'm interested to, you know, especially if you want something light, mm-hmm. um, as you were saying in the summer, so hopefully but you, that'll no, come when out When it, it
1: gets to drama, though. Now, I didn't give away. There's some oh. connections in the movie of people and pasts and things like that. Oh, they go there. They, yeah, not like, oh, we have to really buckle down. Okay. But there are some issues in the movie and I don't know that they handled them in the correct way all the time.
0: Okay. Is this a, just to, so we're clear, is this mm. a, not a movie for, is this a rated
1: R movie? Um, uh, they probably wouldn't rated R probably be PG 13. Okay. Yeah. There we go. That's mm-hmm. good for our listeners to know. Yeah.
0: All right. Now let's move on to <laughs> when I look at this cat. <laughs> I mean, good gracious. It's it's a cast of all casts, you know. But let's get to it first. It's called 12 Mighty Orphans. And this is directed by Ty Roberts. It also is written by him along with Lane Garrison and Kevin Meyer. Now you're thinking, well, who the heck is Ty? Well, many of us think that. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, I'm sorry, Ty Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The cast yeah holy moly! luke wilson who the wilson brothers are like making yeah. i feel like they've been quiet and then all of a sudden you've got loki and owen wilson and now you've got luke wilson come out here it's been you know i guess maybe um what's the director's name <laughs> what's the uh, wes anderson hasn't been doing uh, much so right you know right. we got to get on it uh Vanessa Shaw Vanessa Shaw mm-hmm. Martin Sheen who is really I don't know about you critic but I'm loving Martin Sheen's indie work like he did um, a Spanish film where he played a priest not too long ago in South yeah. America like it's yeah. just he really is enjoying whatever he wants to do its it, it seems like <laughs> Robert do- fall <laughs> robert duvall ladies and gentlemen okay just mm. saying uh Wayne Knight, jake austin walker i mean on and on we go on, and on now this is a sports drama that's dealing with a little bit of history i'm, I'm assuming football i think yeah to be more specific because you got to be specific texas football That's a whole other. I'm from Iowa where we grow corn and football players. We get it. but (laughs) Texas football. That's a whole other. Yeah. Religion.
1: Friday night lights. Okay. I'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it is based on a true story. It's 1938. Okay. And this is high school football in Texas. So the depression's going on. We see early on their tent cities. And there is an orphanage, uh, 150 of them in full. Because imagine, everybody, it's the depression, the Great Depression. What are a lot of parents going to do with their kids? Now, a lot of these orphans are too old to be adopted. They are adolescents, like 17. And so there's a new football coach and teacher played by Luke Wilson. His name is Rusty. He comes in to teach and to coach, along with his wife, who's also a teacher, and his young daughter. Now, why is he a former All-American, by the way? Why is he here if he's so great? Right. Because he's coming from Temple, he said. What's inspiring him? And what's haunting him underneath his optimism? What does his wife think of his decision?" Now, when it comes to the orphans, each has a different personality type. Of course, we have what we've always seen in these kinds of movies. And of course, there's a new guy who arrives shortly after Rusty and all of that. What's going on with him? Is he ostracized? Is he abused? Does he end up being like this great player? You know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of Wayne Knight, he is in charge of keeping things in order. And at this orphanage for the older kids, they have a... Printing press, essentially. And hmm. they make money off of that. Is that legal? Sounds like prison. Uh, Well, like even Shawshank Redemption a little bit, right? A little whiff. So when it comes to football, we got this All-American coming in. How's that going to be received? Also, this guy that Wayne Knight plays, he can be very violent. But the question is, can you buy Wayne Knight in that role? I don't know. I mean, I see Newman. It's very difficult. Now. there are other obstacles to the football as well. Uh, They have to innovate and overcome just like almost everyone had to at the time. And because of that, they become an emblem of the time. All the way up to the top of the country. I won't tell you what. All kinds of people get involved in their little story. They are called the Mighty Mites. And of course, all roads are going to lead to one major game. We know this with a nasty team,
0: Mm -hmm. all of that
1: who's going to win, and so on. Now, Martin Sheen plays a pleasant doctor who recommended Rusty as the coach, and he likes to drink. But he's pleasant, okay? He's a pleasant drunk. He is. <laughs> he's very pleasant. And, you know, he becomes the team doctor and all of that. He travels with them. And wisely, Martin Sheen does the voiceover.
0: Uh, so, yeah, yeah you could just yeah, hear that's... it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either guys, Robert or or uh, exactly.
1: Yeah. Now Robert Duvall has a tiny part. He's oh. essentially a guy who gave them some money to get Rusty there and get the team going and all of that. And he like sits in the bleachers, yeah. you but know. He's, that kind it's good thing. to see him on the screen. You know, it's always great to see Robert Duvall. I mean, come on now, the apostle.
0: Do I, I have to is- go
1: through it? <laughs> no, don't. no, no. We're good. Shit, this is Exodus Leviticus. There it is. There it is. <laughs> okay? Anyway, I mean, he was Boo Radley. Next. Yes. So, <laughs> this movie is completely by the book. Nothing new. No nuance. Dramatic moments for me weren't weren't grounded enough to hit the mark. But it's a sweet little movie. And that's what it wants to be, pretty much. Even though it has some adolescent flourishes. You do get all of that. Okay. Teenage? So, not a little. You know, in a sports movie context, it's what you would expect, especially if you put in the orphan angle to it without me giving it all away. All it's, right. it's like this, ref. It's like a Disney movie that wants to be rated PG-13. Oh, that's a okay.
0: great description. Okay, yeah. I, I see.
1: So, so it'll comfort some viewers. Think Hoosiers and Rudy. Remember yeah. the Titans yeah. it would fit in. Is it as great as maybe Hoosiers... Or even Rudy, probably not. Remember, the Titans is probably around there. I would say. Interesting. Well, yeah. that's 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 a very good review.
0: To you know, if that's your world, mm-hmm. then it sounds like this will fit right into your world. Again, this one it's already out, so you can go to the movies to see this. But unfortunately, that's the only way we know of so far. Yeah. So you'll have to kind of wait around. This is um, from Sony, by the way. Werewolves within. Uh Oh, this is, Mm. uh, you know, (laughs) is it a horror? I mean, you've got werewolves. Yeah. But werewolves within? Yes. Is it a comedy? Is it a mystery? I'm not sure. But you're going to tell us this is available starting the 25th of June. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's right here and you can go and you know enjoy that in theaters maybe a drive-in really it's the, the title of it we'll hear your review you know ooh that kind of sounds cool you know for a drive-in maybe um but it's going to be able to be in everybody's hands at least somewhat starting july 2nd you'll be able to rent it perhaps maybe check redbox or you know yeah. all of those little uh Places, I'm sure Apple and you know
1: everywhere else. Exactly. Amazon Prime, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, this is directed by Josh Rubin. Screenwriter is Mishna Wolf.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Wolf,
0: (laughs) right? But Werewolves Within, written by Mishna Wolf. So, but (laughs) it's it's with the double F. So, same. Sam Richardson. Oh, Cheyenne Jackson. Uh, Michael Watkins and Milena Vantrub are all starring in this comedy horror, I, whatever it yeah. is. But I like what I'm seeing here. An hour and 37 minutes in and out. The yeah. question is, was it more in than out?
1: Uh, or within or without. <laughs> or with
0: There we
1: go. <laughs> now, it is based on a virtual reality video game, actually. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. And at the start, we get a quote from Mr. Rogers, of all people, about neighbors. But I'm going to tell you, Mr. Rogers has never been used like this. I mean, you have the horror music and all of that going on with Mr. Rogers talking about neighbors. So you're like, maybe I don't want the neighbor. Will you be my neighbor? No. No. Now there's an inn in the woods. No room. No room. At the end. Now, Outside is the forest in the woods. There's a man. He's alone. Hey, the forest. Now, how long does this man last alone in the woods? Someone has to shield you from the woods. Now. Oh, my. Cut to 29 and a half days later. That's what they (laughs) say. (laughs) And there's a range.
0: 29 days.
1: Oh, well, 28 Zombies. days later, yeah. 28 days? No, mm-hmm. oh, that's 29. So this in is half. one and a half, one and a half days more. And there's a ranger. He's driving along the road and he's practicing his self-affirmations. And he's got a new job to be a ranger in the area of the inn. When he gets there, of course, he meets a veritable cast of characters. There's a postal worker who wants to show him around. But does anyone care about him or her? The town residents we come to find, they all can make some money be a potential pipeline. But of course, there are holdouts. So what does that mean? And during the snowstorm, the generators all go out mysteriously. So where does everyone end up? Dead! <laughs> well, at the end. Now, who ends up there? A furtive doctor. An entrepreneur who knows everything. Is this Clue? Well, the, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well... Wealthy outsiders. We have a reclusive homicidal maniac. You know what it sounds like? That
0: movie that uh Cynthia Revo and Chris Hemsworth in when they go to that hotel.
1: Oh, oh, I <laughs> never I never saw that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about though.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, sorry.
1: And a bunch of useless people, because this is a comedy. And then people start dropping, dying, being maimed. Who survives? And is there really a werewolf or is it just a metaphor? And like the ref is hinting, who done it? Now, look, this is what I would call responsible silliness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> responsible. <laughs> responsible silliness. But the execution could be sharper. Some moments needed to be cut short while others needed to move along more quickly, like moving along. It's like it, it's like an extended SNL skit spoofing a monster in the woods <laughs> horror movie mixed with clue. That's what it's like. So if that sounds what? like yeah, uh, that's what it's like. So if that sounds like your jam, go ahead. You have your body. What it's like Sam Richardson is, I mean, he's the lead, he's the ranger, he does comedy in his sleep. I mean, he was in V playing an idiot. And that's what he does. Uh, here he's not quite the same idiot. He has a little more IQ points. But, you know, that's the thing going on with Werewolves Within. I think if you play the video game, check it out. I think if you like anything like what I said, again, an SNL skit spoofing a monster in the woods horror movie with a bit of Clue, there you go.
0: That sounds like a delicious delight. Um, We'll have to see, though. with that. Now, what I thought sounded like a delicious delight, Hmm. but I'm coming to learn that it's maybe not as delicious as I thought, Is Hulu's new movie False Positive? Now, I'm not going to just say it's Hulu's new movie. This is A24 and Mm. Hulu. So we pay attention around here when A24 puts something out. Mm. Now, this is coming to us from John Lee, the director. He also wrote it with um, Ilana Grazer. She is starring in it with Justin thoreau now this little person is just all over the place isn't he he's just i mean he is literally you have to look out for him because he is either written it or he's starring in it he's really (laughs) working um but he's not the only one we have gretchen mole who we enjoy sophia bush and uh zanab ja along with what
1: yep pierce
0: Brosnan. yes what is he, you know, shaking not stirred? I don't know what's going on here. Yeah.
1: He's shaking head stirred in this movie, you well, This is
0: a horror and a thriller. But it's also again an hour and 30. This comes out June 25th. We That's just right. run to our Hulu account.
1: That's right. And when you run to that account, here's how it starts: bloody. Ugh. Now I won't describe that further. Then we're introduced to a couple. Lucy played by Alana. And Adrian, played by Justin. Okay. They want to get pregnant, and they need help. Yeah. Now, as luck would have it, Adrian was trained by a wonderful doctor, played by Pierce Prostin. Okay, there we go. And he can help them. Now, this doc, he's not just any doctor. I mean, he's coveted. He has wait lists for years. Oh, my gosh. Years. 100 years. And they <laughs> get right in. Because, okay. you know, Adrian has this relationship with them. And when they entered the office, everything is orchestrated to a T. Oh, you're not going by Lucia? You want to be Lucy? Let me change that right before your eyes. Here's a tablet. You don't need to fill out the sheets of paper. No, you do it on a tablet. And as uh, as Lucy's filling it out on the tablet, she sees her name change. We see it. And Gretchen Hall okay. is the head nurse. okay. Okay there's another nurse who comes bopping in literally. Everything, again, is orchestrated to a T. Maybe too much.
0: Yeah, it sounds very fishy right now.
1: So that's the question, Ref. Is that precision a good thing? There are troubling things lurking underneath the surface, but for whom? Mm. Is this like Rosemary's baby? Oh, my gosh. Also, Lucy's career is starting to take off. She's been waiting. It's happening. So how is a potential pregnancy going to be received in that area? Uh, For instance, let's say it's well-received. Would that be a good thing? Now, as this progresses, Lucy, of course, encounters challenges that get stranger and stranger. Why? Is there anyone she should trust? Can she even trust herself? Well, as she researches a different approach outside the medical establishment, and this is embodied by an enigmatic uh, midwife, Play by Farewell or Moore's Zaynab Jawa, the wife. The truth and the threats collide. Ah, now look. I'm
0: just like, what?
1: But, hey. This is what I would say about false positive. Pretty good. Like everything, pretty good. The acting, the writing. Uh, of course, at least to an out there ending. You expect that from this kind of story from A24. You know it's coming. Yep. But I said is this Rosemary's Baby Yeah. And that's the film, by the way, not that TV (laughs) thing they did. Excuse me. Rosemary's Baby is a masterpiece. So the question for all of our wonderful listeners is, do you want to watch something that's simply pretty good or a masterpiece? Or would you like both? I mean, again, this is going to be on Hulu. Now, is false positive exactly like Rosemary's Baby? Of course not, but it's awfully close. You can't help... Like, halfway through, I was like, wait. (laughs) So that's the question for this movie. It's not that it's bad. Again, it's pretty good. It's just if you've seen Rosemary's Baby, you're going to just constantly reference it as you watch. Mm.
0: Mm. There you go. Well, that's it for all of the narrative features, but you did check out some docs, some documentaries and we want to talk about those briefly normally here at why watch that we do not normally review documentaries but when we're at a festival we just can't help ourselves <laughs> so if this is your world hold on we've got some very interesting characters yes. coming through let's first start start with wolf gang now when you say wolf gang and you say documentary there's like one or two people that we think you're talking about yeah. And we don't need a doc- another documentary or anything about one of them. So I'm thinking <laughs> you're talking about Wolfgang Puck, yeah, and not the other Wolfgang. Mm. Um, we, you know, pop on a CD. Um, this is coming to us, um, <laughs> um, from Disney Plus. So you'll be able to check that out with your Disney Plus membership. I hardly think this is something you're going to run and immediately take out a subscription. You know, I I, I just can't yeah. imagine this is going to be the, the tipping point <laughs> for you to take out a That's subscription. That's it. Wolfgang Puck is on there. letting me buy <laughs> $6. Who cares about The Mandalorian or any of the Marvel <laughs> movies? We want Wolfgang. Star Wars, Schmar Wars. So, but here's the beautiful part about it this really is an area where Disney plus can shine if they go down this particular Avenue, because how much, how many cartoons can parents watch yeah. um, before they want to take full advantage um, between, you know, between the Marvel TV series <laughs> and while they wait for the next Mandalorian. Now, again, this is obviously about Wolf Gang Puck. It is directed by David Gelb. Um, it's written by, you know, Brian McGee, but Unfortunately, you know, the writers for docs don't hold the same prestige as a writer for a feature. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. And you've got people like culinary giants coming in and talking on his behalf or talking about him. Really, both of us are foodies. We both lived in New York and currently still do. Um, I'm in LA. I mean, food, 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 glorious food. Oh. Holy crap, they're talking about Wolfgang Puck, who's kind of like the granddaddy. You know, there was Juliet Child,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then there's Wolfgang Puck. Yes. You know, there's Jack Pupin in there, but... Did Wolfgang you write this Puck, documentary? No. Because I don't, you, this is I, exactly I what it does, yeah. Oh, well, anyway, there's <laughs> Wolfgang Puck. And I just, I'm saying all this because I remember Wolfgang Puck and his shows that he had, but he really was the first to turn it into a whole brand yes so hopefully the uh i'm I'm rubbing my hands together hopefully the documentary will talk about food
1: Mm. (laughs) well it largely is about what you talked about ref how he came to be um a chef first of all i mean growing up in austria what was his home life like yeah whoa i'll tell you this he wanted to get out as soon as possible So much so that his family couldn't locate him when his mother was ill.
0: Oh, boy. So he was, he bounced. Gone.
1: You know, learning how to be a chef because his stepfather essentially told him when he first left, you'll be back and you're not going to make
0: it. Oh, that's terrible.
1: Yes. So now, now Wolfgang loved his mama, stepfather. He had a sister as well. (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, I will never be back. I'm going to make my name for myself and you won't see me again. Wow. And that's what he proceeded to do. Now, were there. Or did he make a name? <laughs> oh, yes. Were there fits and starts? Of course. And you'll see that he builds up, builds up, builds up to having his own restaurant, Spago, in LA, with the woman who becomes his wife. What's that relationship like? How much did she have in regard to input? A lot. Yeah. And how did it become the place for Hollywood to dine? So that, that's the question we see that. And then because of that, he gets to be on TV. If you are in the good graces of Hollywood, at some point somebody's gonna be like, you need to be yep. on television. Let me bring in the head of a network and you can feed us and we'll get this done. Good morning, America. Yeah. Okay, so we see how that happens and then he explodes. Because like the ref was intimating earlier, he really started the celebrity chef culture we now have. Yeah. Julia Child wasn't considered that, unfortunately. No, no, she didn't have
0: pots and, pe- you know, like just on yes. and on.
1: Exactly. So, you know, he was the first person to do this. I mean, the Food Network has to say thank you.
0: Excuse me.
1: Yeah. Excuse and me. And everyone else. Now, every celebrity
0: stock- chef. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now, in this documentary, they're like, look, the man can cook. <laughs> and people act <laughs> like... Right. I remember in the 90s when I wasn't living here in New York.
0: Oh, Lord, you just we dated me. I remember in the 90s. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My family, we would we would get Wolf King Puck frozen pizzas. We would get them his prepared food was delicious i'm sorry you Now see see how uh astute and learned the ref is his prepared food
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, i mean you know what i mean like
1: it's, it's accurate it's just none a...
0: of us went to a restaurant i mean nobody yes. flew out to you know
1: no not us no okay no
0: not in the 90s
1: i remember that and it's just so it, you know everybody thinks oh he's the guy who cooks for the oscars that kind of thing So when I was watching this, Ref, because David Gell, uh, that's, uh, excuse me, Chef's Table on Netflix. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking, oh, am I going to get like into the philosophy of this food? You get some of it but not enough for me. It's more about Mm. his evolution as a chef and then a celebrity and and really how he had to negotiate his family because what happens to his marriage? He does have a child. What goes on with that? So it's more about that arc than the food. I mean, you do have like Nancy Silverton and Ruth Reichel, they talk about that. But I wanted it more. So I think if you already have a Disney Plus subscription and you're interested in food in any way, watch it. Watch it because it's responsibly made. Just be careful if you are a foodie and you want, I want really how it happens. You get a bit of it, like what pizza he did. That was, you know, why the pizzas were so revolutionary. You get it, but not as much as I want it.
0: Okay. Well, you know, there that is. I mean, some of us are foodies. Some of us like to, you know, really dive deeply into the world of a chef. So there it is on Disney+. Plus. What a great angle Disney+, Plus could have on that. When it comes to, you know, food. Yeah. Let's move on to another doc, The Lost Leonardo. Now, whoa. Whoa. That's another one of those (laughs) names where you've been talking DiCaprio (laughs) or Da Vinci. That's just, you know. (laughs) And in this case, I'm pretty sure we're talking about Da Vinci. Mm. And, you know, when you say The Lost Leonardo, immediately I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, there's a piece out there that we don't know about. Or that wasn't around Mm. that already is peaking my you know I'm attentive to hear what you have to say and you know again this isn't something that's going to whip out on you know Amazon Prime or whatever they want this thing in the theaters Mm -hmm. so they think it's interesting it comes out August 13th so that's the end of the summer Mm -mm. there's a Mm. clue there And Andreas uh, Kofold directed it. He wrote it along with a number of other people. I'm assuming we're going to hear from a bunch of experts, a bunch of of art experts, Mm -hmm. museum heads, and all these other, you know, philosophers and
1: historians.
0: Oh, Fly. (laughs) (laughs) McFly. So, okay, (laughs) well, now we're getting into something interesting. I'm thinking it's, (laughs) I see here, art thriller I don't I don't know if that's really something we want to call it, but there you go. Uh,
1: well, does it reach thriller right. Dome? Yeah. <laughs> thriller um, <dump>. game. <laughs> Thrillity. Yeah. It starts off uh, introducing what they call sleeper hunters in the art world. So what are these people? They go around seeing what kind of art is available for auction for cheap that might be the big one. Oh, okay. So if they can get it for cheap. They can then sell it for a huge multiple.
0: Put somebody on the mark or, you know, like.
1: Yes. So, you know, just keep this in mind, everybody. The art world is sleazy. It is slimy. <laughs> Don't let these rich people fool you. <laughs> I've seen more than one documentary on this. If you want to put your money in art, good luck. It better be that you like the artist and you're supporting them. It better not be you want it as an asset, unless you really know what you're doing, mm. and I guarantee you, you don't. Now, <laughs> with that said, lovingly, so we have these sleeper hunters, and one of them, there's like in in Florida somewhere, there's this painting up for auction for like a little over a thousand dollars. He purchases it because he thinks. It's a lost Da Vinci. Oh, uh, okay. Exactly. So how do you even prove that it would be from Leonardo Da Vinci? You got to pull in all kinds of experts. You have to have the thing restored, number one. Come on. Who's going to do that? And then you got to have a buyer. How can you get the auction houses in on this? Because you need them and they need you. We find out. So don't think of auctioned houses as you know just these wonderful people in cloistered uh, you know places <laughs> waiting for the art to come to them. No, they will go out and get the art. So you cool. see all the wheeling and dealing, and then the thing is, maybe it is the lost Da Vinci masterpiece. Get out, and of it here. does have a connection to the Mona Lisa. I won't tell you how, but some people go, it's a fraud. I mean, Russian oligarchs are brought in, and all kinds oh. of stuff here. You don't want to mess with a Russian oligarch. No, I don't want to mess with anybody. Uh, No. I'll tell you that. So in the end, the question is, where does this piece of art end (laughs) up? Not only whose possession, but the provenance. Is it real or not? Is that settled or not? And what's the fallout of all of that? This is what I would say. Okay. If you really like the art world stuff, watch it. However, There's another doc called The Art of the Steel. Now, be careful. There is a narrative film called The Art of the Steel as well. Not that. The documentary. That's about what a scandal that happened in the Philadelphia art scene. I found that more surprising and better than this. Okay. But if you like this kind of thing, you get characters. And you get to learn about the art world and why you should stay very far away.
0: Well, this, you know, you really have to figure out what you're going to do here because this is only available in the theaters mm. at the moment. So, you know, is this something you want to go to the theater? Um, yeah. and, and again, it's only for our New York and uh, LA listeners mm-hmm. on the 13th. So everybody else has to wait and find out how it can get into your hands. Sounds like something you would want to wait until mm-hmm. it hits your streamer. That's so right. let's end this wonderful deal with Tribeca with who we all should end things with. I mean, I mean, what a way to end the festival. Listener She's
1: alright. Yes. She's alright. That girl's alright with me. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. If you don't know who that is, you're about to find out. This doc is called an excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. So it's not a very nice thing to say, but it is. It's bitchin'. The sound and fury of rick james i'm not repeating that that is the title without i'm gonna give you applause for saying it i was wondering if you were gonna say that i I didn't want to say it but i said it and that is it that's all we're gonna do there wow it's the title of the film this is coming to us from sasha jenkins this is coming to us on showtime now okay hold on here
1: yeah
0: it's almost a two-hour documentary. Yes. But the question is, who is this documentary about? More like what? He, he <laughs> is a who, but he is a what as well. Uh, We're talking about none other than the infamous Rick James. Uh-oh. Mm, the
1: which is art, why the title is what it is.
0: It, yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Now, Rick James, as the critic was uh, singing... Had some pretty big hits, and who would have thought that that Rick, he would have been on Motown's label? Like, it's just...
1: Uh, He didn't think so.
0: Oh, I'm sure he didn't. (laughs) Just a shocking, like, if there's anyone you would not put on Motown's label, it would be Rick James. But he did. He revived it, and he took it to the edge. Think... If you're like, who's Rick James? Rick James? I mean, almost want to slap you if you don't know who you who that is. But he was definitely revived mm-hmm. <laughs> by a certain comedian yes. who infamous, infamously made him the <laughs> biggest enigma <laughs> of a character. And Dave Chappelle did some true Hollywood um, stories with Charlie Murphy. The late, great
1: which, Charlie Murphy. The that's late, right.
0: great. Both of them are late, great. I'm Mm. Rick James. Mm. Well. So, what is going on here? Because I think, I'm going to be honest with you, Critic. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If there's going to be a Rick James documentary, (laughs) I first thought, well, wouldn't Spike Lee do that? I mean, it just, I wanted to, Rick James was a wacky doodle crazy. Rick Rick James was the quintessential person of the 80s. I mean, Mm. free love, drugs. Women in maybe, I mean, just everything, anything with studio. Listen, mm. between Bowie and Rick James, that was a lot happening.
1: Um, Bowie can't even come close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bowie would hide. But anyway, so it's very interesting. We, we, we think of the Dave Chappelle skit. They do get into that, of course, in this documentary, you know, was it, Something that was negative for Rick or not. Of course, he reclaimed it.
0: Yes, he did. He took advantage of it.
1: But the real question is, how accurate was that? I won't tell you, but they do address it. Okay, somebody who knew it was like, well, (laughs) okay. Okay. Now it starts, the documentary, with Rick James' daughter. You know, in current time, he has passed. She's going through some stuff that they had in storage that was at his house so you start there you're like okay and then they go away from the daughter so you think it's about to be her you know we're tracking her through you know his life story no why now they do come back to her later and her mother Mm. so then we're shuttled back in time to uh, where Rick James was raised Buffalo in the great state of New York
0: I did not I didn't know he was a New Yorker
1: yes yes he is and if you know Buffalo you go oh yeah yeah now, we are told about Buffalo from different people. His brother is interviewed and so on. Also, Conway the Machine. Now, if you don't know Conway the Machine, he is a rapper um, from Buffalo. You know, the whole brazelda outfit. See, I do know a little bit. You know a little. I do know a little. So, you know, I'm like, okay, Conway is there talking, you know, smoking in the car. All right, you know, that's what's going on. Saying, oh look, Rick James is Buffalo. And Buffalo is very segregated. The North... Certain groups live there: the east, the west, and the south. And Conway talks you through all of that and says, "Look, I stay on the east where the, you know, my people are." Yeah. So we see that upbreaking. We see what how he starts to break the law because his mother, um, had to raise a bunch of kids, and you know, she ran numbers. Okay. And how did Rick help her?
0: Quite well, I'm sure. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, during this time, of course, the Vietnam War comes up. He's drafted. He goes AWOL. He goes to Toronto. Now, uh, along all of this time, he is influenced by a lot of music. He picks up music so quickly of various genres. He gets it. Like when he was a kid, he went to see a jazz concert, understood it. That's the kind of talent that he had. So in Toronto, he's inspired. Things happen. I'm not giving it all away so you can watch it. He ends up at Motown. Oh my gosh. Now, does he want to be there? Uh, that's I wonder really... how
0: he and Barry Gordy.
1: <laughs> well, beyond Barry Gordy, we see across his um, career, because Barry Gordy leaves and somebody else takes over, you know, toward the end of his career after his big album, his big tour where they made yeah. $40 million. The next tour was like 13 or 14 million. Instead, he walked into an office and
0: had someone let someone sure. know.
1: <laughs> because his assistant is there, who is, he could have his own documentary. I mean, his assistant, he gets on the piano and starts playing and singing and does this whole thing. It's ridiculous. So he's he's like, look, I was in the room for this. And uh, let me tell you how this went down. Because the way Rick James would um, operate with Motown is he would deliver an album. They'd give him a million dollars. But this last time, <laughs> he wanted something else. So you'll see what that's like. So anyway, we see the beginnings of Motown. He goes out to California. You get his style of music, how that came to be. You you talked about even Bowie, but just the whole thing about how rock and R&B, how they straddle the line of funk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think he called it punk funk. That's his music. You got Bootsy Collins and all of, you know, that whole thing, you know, his contemporaries, but what... Was their relationship like uh, George Clinton? Yeah, Prince, who came after him.
0: I now see. There we go. We we all heard about the rivalry of him and Prince. Saying Rick James basically claiming that Prince is a his prodigy, <laughs> but not on purpose.
1: <laughs> because Prince was on tour with him opening. What did Prince do? I'm not going to give that away on the tour.
0: And oh, wait, Prince,
1: wait. at the age of 20, 21, doing this, <laughs> I'll tell you this, didn't really care. Let's just put oh. it that way. He's going to no. do what he does.
0: He didn't even care at 50. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's
1: Prince. Now, we also get his proclivities on stage and off stage, of course, from the outrageous to the abusive. Okay. So his music, is that who he was in real life? Let's let that hang. <laughs> And really, of course, how does all of that relate to today is another question. They don't really go there explicitly. But now in this moment, you go, "Ooh, interesting where this mm-hmm. documentary is. I mean, at some point, one person even says he would this would not fly today. He would. He, yeah. Like this impossible. We also see who he influenced, Tina Marie. Yes. How did he meet Tina at Motown? What was that like? There was a transition in his career where he became a hit maker. Who's he going to work with? Right, Right. they didn't know what to do with Tina at Motown. The Mary Jane
0: girls. (laughs) Oh, no. No.
1: Okay, now wait a minute. We talked about Prince, but did we talk about Eddie Murphy? Uh, (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) we kind of did with the Chappelle. We did. Yes,
1: Charlie (laughs) Murphy. Remember Eddie Murphy? Remember that album he released? Yes,
0: my Uh girl likes to party
1: all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Rick James showed him the ropes. Of course he did. Then after that, you get his battle with MTV. Because yep. keep in mind, when MTV started, everybody, they had a particular uh, mm-hmm. vision and it didn't include black people. Sure did not. Including, unless you were DMC. Yeah. <laughs> well, including Michael Jackson.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Because of Rick James, his he took it public because of that. That's how Michael Jackson got on MTV. Interesting. So they said not you, Rick, him. Motown, same thing. After that moment I mentioned, not you, Rick, Lionel Richie. Mm. And then the spiral. Yeah. We get the Chappelle show, and we get his end, unfortunately. If you don't know Rick James, you will after this documentary. <laughs>
0: I'm sure you will.
1: For much of it, I'm just like, I not Oh, okay. Now, is this the best made documentary ever? No, but it hits the subject. Would I prefer Spike Lee to do it? Uh, but Spike okay. Lee is one of the greatest documentarians ever. So that's not even fair.
0: I think that comes to shock to a lot of people when you say that.
1: It, he is. Tell me which documentary that Spike Lee made that is not excellent. He just did one for Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, the one downfall, I will say, some of the things, some of the scenes they have animations for, no. Just let the people what? talk. Yeah, no. And like, no. it's like, it, like orgies and like, I don't know that, you know, we need all of that. Just the animation threw me. But, you know, Rick James is, uh, he's still entertaining us now. And this documentary continues that.
0: Well, there you have it. That is our Tribeca coverage this year for 2021. Eight interesting pieces of work. Some that you can see immediately. It's already out there. Some it's going to be um, available to everyone soon. Some maybe a little bit down the road and then others are still quite a mystery. The thing about Tribeca is this. You always deliver something interesting.